Hey, what the hell tech listeners? I'm your host this week, Kayla Devine. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics, ideas, and best practice in health and social care. This week, we are back with Joe. Joe joined us last week and we talked a bit about effective communication, um, some of the ways that she communicates with her team, and we are here to continue that conversation again. Going back to kind of the message when you, you want it to be a clear, focused message, I mean, you've talked a lot about um, how to get the best, most effective communication out there, but I guess to summarise, what are your tips to giving a very, very clear message to someone or a group of people? Yeah, I think you have to be assertive, but in a nice way. Um, you know, you have to be very clear about what the message is that you're wanting to give. Um, you know, and I think that comes down to, you know, you have to, to value yourself and and value your opinion or your facts. Make sure that your facts are always right. Um, know what you need, but also what you need the other people to understand and what you want to get out of it. Um Try not to give, try not to express negative thoughts or negative comments because that will always get negativity back. Um, and learn to say no, I think, as well um, to people when they're always, you know, people push for responses and things. You know, learn to say no, learn to say, you know, I need to just think about that. I can't respond straight away or that's not something I'm able to respond to. Try not to make not make things up but always make sure that it's factual um but it's i think it comes down to that you know having that sympathy that empathetic sort of assertion um that gets across a very strong clear message but in a nice way um and so that it's full of positivity um but gives a truthful picture rather than um trying to flower things up to make it look better than what it really is um I think that's always my uh, my way. I think also as well, you know, there are certain situations where you can bring humour into things, which helps to always lighten situations. It's not it's not always appropriate, and I think people have to recognise that. Um, and I think you know you have to be willing to compromise sometimes. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're all humans dealing with humans, so at some point there's going to be some disagreement. So you either have to agree to disagree or work around a compromise to get the right solution in the end at the end of the day and what about confidence how do you think or what's your advice to someone that might not be that confident in doing those things yeah i mean i think i i'll be honest with you i think it takes um i think it takes time and experience to build your confidence up when you're speaking um to a group in particular groups of people um you know that that isn't something that comes easy to everybody it certainly isn't something that i've ever found very easy you know i don't find this particularly easy if i'm honest and i'm just talking to you Haley, and i've known you for a long time but you know i, I know that it that the audience it's going to reach is 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 bigger than just you and me and so um it does it does take i think that comes with life experience it comes with maturity um you know having to build up that confidence but i think you know, practicing what you're going to speak. If you're speaking to a large group of people, you generally, generally, you know what that topic's going to be on. So practice it, you know, stand in front of a mirror. I'm very handsy. I talk a lot with my hands all the time. And I once was giving, I did some, I did a lot of training at one point in a job that I was doing. 
And um, one of the negative feedbacks that I got was that one person actually said that they found my um, hand um, distracting. Uh, <laughs> distracting, but also um, they found it uh, a little bit... Um, they found that it was very off-putting. They didn't find it very um, engaging. And so I, yeah. from then on, I always wore uniform with pockets or trousers with pockets so that I could at least put my hands in. And I know sometimes that can give a negative thing. But then I found myself at the beginning of sessions saying, if you see my hands in my pockets, it's not because I'm bored. It's because it's to stop me from going, mm, you know, like this all the time, you know. Um, so I think, you know, having, having belief in what you're going to say you know, making sure that you've got your facts absolutely right and know your subject and know your topic. And I think then if you feel confident in what you're delivering, then you will overcome your nervousness and your fear around talking to groups of people um, and, and just deliver your words very carefully and clearly so that you know, you know exactly what you want to get across and how it's going to be received. And I think always for me, it's just about summarising what you've said, um, you know, so at the end of your message that you've got across, just summarise it, you know, just say, well, in summary, does it? You know, and it actually wraps it all up quite nicely, wraps up the conversation nicely. Yeah, it's probably, and I, um, as I've kind of grown up in my career, I'm talking with my hands now, you're making me conscious of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to sit on them now. Um, but yeah, as I've kind of, in my career like confidence and being able to present and to a bunch of people has always been my worst nightmare and whenever I tell someone this they're always quite shocked because mm -hmm. the more I've done it the easier I've found it um and it's still not easy like don't get me wrong I don't go up and think oh this is really easy I'm actually presenting tomorrow to around 60 people and I'm, I'm really nervous and I'm like I, I know mm -hmm. what I'm saying but I think there's an element of not necessarily learning to become confident. It's about learning to fake being confident. Mm. And how do you put a perception across that, yes, I am mm. confident, but actually inside you're thinking, oh, what am I doing? There's all these people staring at me. And it never goes away, does it? It's just, you fake it. No, it doesn't. It never really goes away. And, you know, whatever you're perceiving outside, inside might be a completely different feeling, you know. And, um, you know, one of the things that I always do if I'm speaking to people is I always put my uniform on. Like today, I've put my uniform on because it's my comfort zone having my uniform on because that's me. I'm a nurse and I know what I'm doing when it comes to nursing. So for me, it just gives me that added bit of confidence wearing my uniform. Um, and I know it sounds, it's, I know it's ridiculous because it's at the end of the day, it's a tunic, you know, um, and I've got my slippers on underneath, but you know, it's a tunic, but um, it's, it's how it makes me feel. So, you know, if something makes you feel confident, then that's, that's going to portray across, isn't it? That confidence is going to come out. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, with the uniform, it's literally everything about the hard work that you've been throughout your life so mm -hmm. you know it's got you to the career that you're in now so that uniform is your success really um and it's my identity exactly know. yeah it's my identity it's mm. who i am what i am so it means a lot to me you know so um wearing it just gives me that added bit of confidence yeah i'm obviously i don't have a uniform or anything like that but whenever i'm <laughs> podcasting or i'm presenting <laughs> 
I always do my hair. So when I go to work, I just literally brush it. I'm not really bothered. But if I'm presenting, <laughs> I always make sure I curl it or wave it. I mean, it's not quite the same now, but um, I just, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like if my hair's done, <laughs> I feel better. Well, of so, course you do. And that's, yeah. it's like with anything, isn't it? You know, it's it's what makes you feel good. If it makes yeah. you feel good, then that, that your, your, some of that, if you're constantly thinking about, oh, my hair's a mess. And, yeah. <laughs> I haven't got my lipstick on or I haven't done this, then that will overtake your thought, your train of thought, and you will lose your focus on what you're speaking about or who you're talking to because you're constantly thinking, oh, my God, everyone's looking at my hair or, Mm. you know, they know I've not got no lipstick on or whatever. So um, it is about what makes you feel good. Um, I was once given um, some really good advice. So I had some coaching years ago. Um, and one of the things that I was always very nervous about was interviews. I was never very good at interviews um, in, my, in my younger days. And um, I had some coaching. And this lady once said to me, she said, well, what do you do when you, what do you wear when you go for an interview? And I said, well, it depends what it is. It would be a dress and a jacket or a suit or, you know, whatever. And she says, right, here's the tip then. When you go into your interview, take your jacket off, put it on the back of the chair and move your chair forward what do you mean movie chain? You know, interviews, it's always like a table, isn't it, with an interview panel and you sat somewhere in the middle of the room on your own. Um, that's how it was years ago. <laughs> and it's quite informal these days. And um, she said, the reason you do that is, is because you're putting yourself in control of this interview. So you're moving that chair. You're saying to those people, this is my interview and I want to sit a little bit closer to you. So I'm just moving my chair and I'm taking my jacket off because actually I might look very formal now, but actually I'm quite an informal person. So I'm just taking my jacket off just to give that, let you know that. And she said, cause it will make you feel better not having a restricted jacket on and things like that. It was a really, really good tip. And I've always sort of um, kept that on when I've been doing things going forward a good tip actually I might take that one not that I've got any interviews planned um <laughs> I might take that it's, it's, uh, it's interesting but then I do quite like wearing a blazer to be fair so maybe it wouldn't work for me yeah I fiddle a lot if I've got a blazer on I fiddle yeah. a lot um, you know <laughs> bit of a yeah. fiddler anyway so you know I'm always like moving and uh, yeah adjusting hair or yeah. something you know oh, I'm terrible but that's again it comes down I think that comes down to that comes down to just you're trying to be the best that you can. You're trying to be as confident as you can, and you're trying to, you know, give that right message. And um, it's it's important, isn't it? Appearance is important, and that's you know, if it gives you confidence, being, um, you know, gives you you know that confidence to be able to communicate better because you feel that you are actually looking your best at the moment. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, when I, I think I was about 18 or 19, I had a job interview um, and I had quite a long blazer on with like long sleeves and um, I was constantly messing with the sleeves and that was part of the feedback um, because I I didn't get the role because I was really nervous and she said, all I could look at was your sleeves, which I think looking back, I Uh, think that's really harsh. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah, now I always try and bring them up a bit you know just so I'm not messing it's it's strange isn't it how things like that do always stick in your head don't they and um sort of like try they shape how you do things going forward don't they and Mm -hmm. it's those little things that you'll never forget so it might have been a little comment from one person but it had a big effect on you and that's the same with any communication isn't it you know 
you, you have to have that emotional intelligence to understand the impact of words that you're going to have on somebody because um, it might just be a flippant co comment to you but the way that that's portrayed by the receiver of that information um, it could have a really detrimental impact on them so yeah yeah got some good tips really um <laughs> things to think about um and i guess so one thing we haven't sort of covered you've been um a partner of radar healthcare for quite a few years now um and mm. i know you were always really positive whenever we've spoke so i guess how how has that partnership and that relationship kind of worked and how has it supported you through the, the improvements you've been making on communication um yeah it's a good question i think um yeah, we have. We've worked together for for a long time now, and um, you know, Radar's been a, a huge part of our progression as a company um, in how we've done things. Um, and I think the example that I'm going to give is around the um, is around the pandemic, and um, we had, um, you know, so as healthcare, there was lots of information, lots of advice coming out from lots of different places. So put yourself into a GP practice manager's shoes and she was getting information from the CCG or ICBs as a call now, information from NHS England, information from the MHRA, information from us. And there was all this information coming into her inbox every day. And it was taking such a long time to sift through and realizing actually that's the same, but it's slightly different or this is completely different. This is completely new. And it was trying for them to try and fathom out which bits were right, which bits they should listen to. And so we agreed very early on that all of that information would come into one central place, i.e. to me, and we would interpret it and we'd put it out on radar so that when the message came out through a radar notice, they knew that was the most up-to-date information and that's what they read and that's what they circulated to staff. Um, that you know, the, um, we know that everyone was reading radar and uses radar quite a lot every day, but actually they were emailing it around as well, downloading it and emailing it to make sure that that message had got through to people who maybe hadn't got access for whatever reason, um, and that worked really well for us. So it aided our, it really aided our communication during the pandemic in terms of getting very key messages out there, um, and because radar is so mobile. You know, so you don't have to be sat at your desk. You can get it on your phone, on your iPad or wherever you are. Um, it meant that everybody had got access to everything that they needed. Um, so, you know, we immediately had GPs and nurses and um, admin staff working from home. And so for them to be able to still access all of the rich policies that they needed and all the up-to-date information was great for them. And that's how Radar really did help us keep our communication going and throughout some very difficult times. And did you get much feedback? Um, I think we've spoken about this before, and I think, did you say something like, you, you realise that 95% of people were reading them or, or something along those, those lines? Yeah, we, you know, we, because we, with, the, with, the, with the analytics, you can see how many people are reading your notices and things, and it went from being, I don't know, 40% to 95% of people were reading the notices because they knew they were important. And also having the high, medium and low priority thing as well meant that people could prioritise what they had to look at. Um, and so it was it was a massive success for us. And um, 
not just for us, not just successful, that's the wrong terminology really, it's a, it had a better outcome for the patient, for the staff and for the patients ultimately because they were getting the right information at the right time that they needed to be able to deliver care. So yeah, it was, it was really good for us, worked really well. Great, thank you. So now we are moving on to the What the Health Tech moment. So I'm going to ask you, I guess, for your What the Health Tech moment and what this is, is has anything happened to you in the healthcare world that's been weird or wonderful or you've got a really funny story to tell? Um, so, oh God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> I can, um, so I'm going to take you back to um, 1989. So I just qualified as an enrolled nurse and um, I went to work in theatres um, because that's where I really, my passion was working with theatre. I worked in Gynae Theatre in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, um, which is where I did my training. And um, I hadn't been there long. And we used to do some pretty major surgery, you know, some uh, really compl- complex surgery where patients were on the table for an awful long time. And one of the complications of that was that patients inevitably got um, deep vein thrombosis, you know, blood clots in the legs. And, um, yeah, it was always a problem when they were doing prophylactic this and doing that and all sorts of things, and it still wasn't working. And then a company called Hunter brought out um, these brand new, wonderful things called Floatrons, mm-hmm. which is where they were like huge Velcro stockings that you used to wrap around somebody's leg and you'd plug them in and they would inflate and deflate to give the impression that there was circulation going on there and people didn't get DVTs as a, as a result. So we thought, oh, these are brilliant. These are going to be great. So we got a little bit of a research grant and uh, we brought them into theatres and some of the consultants were a bit, oh my gosh, you know, more equipment in there, you know, and all the rest of it. And um, the guy had given us a demo and because the, um, the cable, the electric cable, had to be stretched across the theatre floor, we made a big fuss about having, you know, the hazard tape and those mats over it so that nobody would trip over it and everything. So come the glorious day where we had the first patient on the table and we'd taken loads of care and we'd wrap these things round properly and we, everyone was happy, cables weren't in the way of everybody and it just didn't work and the alarm was going and the consultant that was trying to do the surgery was getting his hair off and shouting and it was just it was all chaotic and then we realized hadn't actually switched the power on hadn't actually it was running on battery and alarming and um yeah it was really embarrassing it was really embarrassing because we just made such a fuss about this electric cable i can see it now people with the tape on the floor and um yeah we haven't switched it on so it was just beeping away consultant getting his air off going mad oh gosh it was it was a yeah it was <laughs> it was um it was one of those things that you know sticks in here and never goes away yeah. <laughs> Like when you ring an IT consult or an IT company and say, "Oh, I've forgotten to um," or they say, "Have you have you turned it on and off again?" And you're like, "Uh, no." And then it works. And you're like, "Oh, yes, of course it that. does. Always works. It's always yeah. that classic IT thing, isn't it? <laughs> you try to switch it on and off. Yeah, it works really well. But yeah, I never forget that. It was a complete and utter yeah, <clears throat> yeah, one yeah. of those moments where you just think, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I thought you were going to say I tripped over the wire and fell on a patient or something like that. So at least that didn't happen. (laughs) No, no. I think I'm just, I've just remembered as well, Hayley, when we were talking before about um, tips and things about um, Mm. 
communication and stuff. I think one of the, I've just realised one of the things that we did um, as a result of the staff survey again about mm. the communication thing was that we ran some very local small workshops um, just to ask people what it is that they wanted to get out of it, but actually it had a bigger impact. So it helped build team rapport, um, but also um, it helped us understand where the gaps were. So where were our gaps in our communication and what things were going on? And we made it a very fun, light session. It only took about two or three hours, but we did it, it, you know, we did like Chinese whispers to show how communication messages get lost completely in translation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a really successful day. So I, I, yeah, I'd completely forgotten about saying that. It was just reminding me then when we were talking about that, about tips. And I thought, yeah, I just need to just tell you that bit as well. Cause that was really, it was a really good, it was a really valuable piece of exercise mm-hmm. really to do that wasn't very long, um, mm-hmm. but was a bit of fun as well. But made people understand where the gaps were and um, how to make things right. Yeah, I can imagine that was quite fun, actually, playing, like, Chinese whispers and stuff. Yeah, it was. It was good for because, you know, the message that you give yeah. never, yeah. never ends up <laughs> the same as what it is. So, yeah. It's true, though, that, that happens, doesn't it, when you've got to pass it through people and word spreads <clears> and <throat> it's a completely different message at the end of it. It is, and it's like text messages as well. You know, like, people don't... Yeah. People rarely put... Um, uh, punctuation in text messages mm-hmm. so when you read it it's just like one long message and you you know when you have a, when you've got a comma in the wrong place it can make a big difference between mm-hmm. what that message actually is you know and it's like when people write in capitals you know if they send you an email in capitals i automatically <laughs> think oh, yeah. why are you shouting at me you know when really all they've done is mistakenly flips the caps lock on you know um they're not really shouting at you they've just forgotten yeah it is perception isn't it especially if you get like an email and they've put an exclamation mark on or they've said something in the wrong way and you think, oh, are they being funny with me there? I can't work it out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you you know, talk about email and I go back to, you know, my first days of training and qualifying and, you know, we never, we didn't have email. The only form of communication (laughs) you had was a letter or telephone, Um, you know, and was the communication any better or any worse? Probably the same, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, You know, messages were still... Um, you know, relayed and misinterpreted the same as what they are today. There was no, there was no real difference. It's just now we've got more ways to get it wrong or right than what we had a long time ago. Yeah, definitely. No, that's been that's been really insightful, and I've definitely taken a few things away actually, um, especially the hand. I, I always I always talk with my hands, so I'm definitely going to be more conscious of that, especially in my presentation tomorrow. So, um, <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been it's been really really useful. Um, I'm looking forward oh, to most sharing. Welcome, Haley. It's been it's been yeah. a, a good conversation, and um, yeah, you know, make talk yeah. for England. It's a, <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's been great. Thank you. So next week, we are going to hear from product experts, Mark Fuster and Ellie Jordan at Radar Healthcare, and they're going to be chatting about our new community forum. So it's not one that you want to miss. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions for us, for our guests, for Joe, then please email whatthehelltech at radarhealthcare.com. Thank you.